Chapter Three of the Boy Scouts on Swift River by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Choosing the Outfit. Promptly the next morning, Hal appeared in the car, ready for the trip downtown to the famous supply house for sportsmen, voyagers, prospectors, and explorers. Walter was ready, and they were soon on their way. Reaching their destination, the car was dismissed to return in two hours, and the boys entered the great outfitting house with just a little sense of awe, for over the place hung the glamour of romance. Here expeditions for the ends of the earth had been fitted out, and many a modern hero of adventures in far places had passed these portals. Neither had ever been there before, and Walter's little gasp of delight was echoed by Hal as they entered the big showrooms filled with every conceivable device for use in outdoor life. Hal brought out Woodhall's list, which he had mislaid the day previous. The first thing to be considered was the matter of tents. Lewis strongly advised two small ones rather than one large enough for four to sleep in comfortably, pointing out that in a cruise of this nature in which camp was broken every day and the next camping ground was an unknown quantity, it would be easier to find two small level bits of ground than one large enough for the bigger tent. Again, it would be more work to pitch the larger tent and to pack and carry it. He favored two tents made according to a plan of his own, a modification of the shelter tent of the United States Army. This called for an A tent of waterproof yet light material, seven and a half feet long by six feet wide and four feet high, with closed back, front flaps, and a five-inch sod cloth all the way around on the inside a rope bridge with a loop at either end for the two poles, and continuing as the two guide ropes was provided for, with stake loops at each corner and halfway along either side, and with a loop midway in the lower ridge of the back, the tent was complete. Lewis claimed for this tent that it could be set up with a minimum of trouble, it was warm and afforded perfect shelter in any kind of weather. By spreading rubber blankets so that they overlapped the sod cloth on the inside, all dampness could be shut out, even in the rainiest weather. Best of all, such a tent was comparatively inexpensive. Hal grinned as he read this aloud, for to him the matter of expense was of no concern whatever. Walter noticed the grin and rightly interpreted its meaning. "'Look here, Hal. Before we go any farther, there is one thing I want to drive into that silly head of yours,' he began. It is this matter of expense. Hold on now till I'm through. As Hal opened his mouth as if to speak, I know just what you're going to say, that the money question is no concern of mine or Woodhull's, because you're paying the bills. Now, that's just where you've gone off on a blind trail. Your father has insisted on standing the expense of this trip, which is mighty nice of him, but Dad and I didn't want it to be so and it wasn't until Dad saw that Mr. Harrison was going to feel really hurt unless he had his way that Dad agreed to the plan. Don't you see that it puts all the rest of us under obligation to you? The more you spend, the greater the obligation. Do you get that? Fiddlesticks! exclaimed Hal. You make me tired. Forget it. Go over to the corner there and make a noise like a loon. You're just about as crazy. There isn't any obligation about it. I'm running this, and I'll spend what I please. So long as Dad doesn't kick, you've got no kick coming. But I have, a great big kick. 
and you've given me just the chance to land it that I've wanted, cried Walter triumphantly. So you're running this, are you? And yet Woodhull is supposed to be in command, and the rest of us are supposed to have something to say. The more you spend, the less independence for the rest of us. No one's going to feel like bucking you if they happen not to agree with you. Can't you see that? Put yourself in my place. Don't be selfish in trying to be generous. Besides, the fun in a trip like this is in roughing it. Now let's get busy on that list. The clerk over there is beginning to look as if he had that tired feeling. Hal started to speak, but instead relapsed into silence and studied the list in his hand. He had begun to see the force of Walter's contention, but the idea was new to him and not easy to grasp. The very last thing in the world that he wanted was for the other boys to feel under obligation to him. From his own point of view they had no reason to, but a glimmer of the truth as Walter saw it made him realize that there was danger of the very situation which Walter had pictured, and any such feeling on the part of his companions would, he very well knew, make the trip a failure for all. I don't suppose there's any objection to my spending as much as I like on personal equipment, said he with just a trace of a smile. Go as far as you like, Walter replied laughingly. Get a gold-lined mess kit and pink silk pajamas if you want to. By this time they had approached the waiting clerk and the matter of tents was taken up. He was shown the specifications of the tents Woodhall had suggested and made a quotation which was very reasonable. Then he asked permission to show them a new special canoe tent. It was designed to give the largest amount of floor space without the usual accompanying bulk of walls and roof. In this there was more headroom than in Woodhall's tent, a very decided advantage in case they were compelled to remain in camp by bad weather. A tent of this kind would cost twice as much as would the other but it had certain advantages so much in its favor that Walter yielded the point, and the order of two of these was placed. The tents decided upon how once more turned to the list. A cooking outfit next, said he. We have them in sets of two, three, four, and six persons. They are made of aluminum and are just what you want, said the obliging clerk. How much are they? asked Walter suspiciously. Oh, they are not at all expensive when you consider their completeness and compactness, replied the clerk, leading the way to another part of the store. A complete set of four costs but sixteen dollars, and that includes a canvas bag in which to carry it. Walter looked the set over with a critical eye. It certainly was very convenient. Hal was enthusiastic and was for taking it without question, but Walter, shrewdly appraising the pieces which made up the set, decided that one six-quart kettle and the largest size frying pan, the latter having a detachable handle, were all that they needed, as the rest of the things could be obtained at a ten-cent store, and for so short a trip would answer the purpose exactly as well as this expensive aluminum ware. And we'll save ten dollars on the outfit to boot, he added. Two folding lanterns with a supply of hard candles, a light axe with leather sheath, four Anirondack pack-baskets, and a supply of condensed foods completed the general list. The foods included several rolls of Herbswurst, the famous German army ration, said to be the very best emergency ration yet devised, 
this crumbled in hot water and boiled for ten or fifteen minutes makes a delicious and nourishing pea soup and should be included in the commissary supplies of every camping party other soups in tablet form powdered eggs and milk powder were included also evaporated vegetables one of the latter the most important as a food were the evaporated potatoes walter had used them in a previous camping experience and knew just how good they were with bacon or in a fish chowder al picked up one of the hard thin slices and attempted to eat it bah he exclaimed making a wry face and spitting out the fragments do you mean to tell me that you can cook those things why they are as hard as iron i don't believe that they should be soft enough to eat if you cook them for a week just wait till i serve you a panful fried brown and bacon fat some morning when we are miles from where potatoes grow you'll sing another tune then laughed walter al looked doubtful and picked up another of the hard disks how do you make em soft he persisted soak em overnight in water replied walter you see they are just sliced raw potatoes with all the water taken out give em a chance and they'll soak up the water again and when they do that they get soft wait and you'll see with the general supplies taken care of hal turned his attention to his personal outfit here's where i'm mum as an oyster laughed walter but i want your advice protested hal how about one of our air beds you have no idea how comfortable they are just lie down on that one and see for yourself with one of those you are always sure of a dry bed and an easy one we sell a great many of these and those who have once tried them wouldn't think of going into the woods now without one rattled on the voluble clerk walter grinning broadly stepped back of the clerk and held up his crossed fingers whereat hal laughed aloud as he recalled the prophecy in woodhall's letter you win he said and then to the puzzled clerk who had not caught this bit of by-play i guess we'll pass up on the air beds this time but i should like to see a sleeping bag right this way said the clerk and a few minutes later was explaining the mysteries and advantages of a modern sleeping bag while he opened one up and showed the arrangement of blankets and waterproof covering isn't it bully exclaimed hal feeling the various layers of blanket it was bully there was no gainsaying that and for the first time walter began to feel just a wee bit envious of hal as he realized that the latter had only to say the word and have one of these expensive luxuries added to his equipment it seemed almost as if hal divined the trend of his thought for with a suddenness and positiveness which though he did not know it was one of the characteristics which had won for his father many a business fight he decided against buying one what's good enough for the rest of you is good enough for me he declared wouldn't i feel nice crawling into one of those things with the rest of you rolling up in just an ordinary blanket oh we'll have a blanket apiece said walter keeping his face straight hal missing the point looked puzzled why of course it would be funny if you didn't what are you driving at anyway he said so if you really want one of those sleeping bags don't worry about the rest of us trying to get along with just one ordinary blanket persisted walter hal made a pass at walter smarty he cried i've a great mind to pay you up by making you a present of one of these i, I believe i will no you won't cried walter in something like real panic you remember what i told you about that obligation business i just won't stand for it 
I'm not going to have my hands tied when there's a good scrap on. Then don't spring anything more like that, grinned Hal. Hal finally selected a pair of warm woolen blankets and a rubber poncho, which would serve as a covering for the floor of the tent at night. Protecting from dampness from the ground or in wet weather could be slipped over the head and serve as a waterproof cloak. A good compass, a careful selection of trout flies, leaders, and a sink line, a rubber drinking cup, and a pair of high-cut moccasins completed his purchases. While Hale had been making his final selections, Walter had been looking about on his own account. "'Say, Hal, did Lewis have a provision bag on that list?' he suddenly inquired. "'No. We've got all the things that were on his list. Why?' "'Nothing much.' "'Only I found something here that looks good to me.' Walter held up a cylindrical bag of waterproof material and, reaching inside, pulled out a series of smaller bags. These were designed to hold the various supplies, such as flour, sugar, cereals, rice, etc. These smaller bags were also waterproof, thus giving double protection to the food. It was such a handy way of carrying the food supplies that both boys agreed that Lewis would hardly think them extravagant in adding a set to their equipment. This ended their purchases. I don't think Lewis will have any kick coming on the matter of extravagance when he sees that outfit, do you? asked Hal as they waited for the car. No, replied Walter, adding with an assumption of mock virtue. Think of all you save by taking me along. So much that I've simply got to blow myself now. What do you say to lunch downtown and then taking in the ball game this afternoon? It's the Giants against the Pirates, you know, Hal cried eagerly. I'm game, replied Walter promptly. I guess it's the last ball game we'll see for some time, excepting grub games at Old Woodcraft. I'm just itching to get back there, aren't you? End of chapter 3